You'll never know Other people, places, things that you'll see You'll never know Other people, places, things that you'll see the people places and things podcast all about the dope people fun places to visit and cool things to do in the town today's episode it's a doozy my guest tanisa looney owner of keys realty group inc and i get deep into some childhood traumas a shared experience that we didn't know we even had plus she gives up the keys to entrepreneurship and home ownership. You're going to love this one. You are the tiniest boss. <laughs> With the biggest personality. Tanisa Looney, owner of Keys Realty Group and the Kansas City Homes Tour Experience. I've interacted with you on a business tip, but mm-hmm. we haven't had a chance to learn about each other personally. So where are you from in Kansas City? I am from nowhere in Kansas City. Quite honestly, I moved as a child probably every three to six months. So I've almost lived in every neighborhood in Kansas City. I've gone to five different elementary schools and a couple different high schools. I'm literally from nowhere. In our city, people be like, oh, I'm from the 60s or I'm from the 50s. Yeah, no, I'm kind of like a vagabond. What created that situation? I guess just the um, 80s baby, the saying for the 80s baby, what happened and what transpired in the 80s. And because I had a mother who has substance abuse problems, problems, it created a real unstable household for us. Because of that, we moved quite frequently because she was unable to keep jobs or pay her rent or she got a new boyfriend and we moved in and they broke up. So we had to move out. Coming from a background like that can either push you into the same sort of lifestyle that you were subject to or it can push you into a totally different direction. Why do you think witnessing that as a young girl pushed you into a totally different direction of being an entrepreneur and someone who is employing multiple people around this city? I have 13 sisters and nine brothers, and I have lived on my own or got put out of my household at 13. So I've lived with several of those sisters at some point between 13 and 16 when I got my own place. And doing that, you see all the different things and the different ways that people are. You can go one or two ways. You can learn from them or you're going to learn something. And what I learned is there was ways that I didn't want to be. So even me becoming a, a teenage mother, I had my first son at 16 and the teachers were so disappointed in me. My family was so disappointed in me. They basically counted me out. They told me that I wasn't going to be anything. Now I could have believed what they said, but I took it a different way. I I was like, nah, I'm going to prove them all wrong. And what I'm not going to do is allow my son to grow up the way that I did. So I don't do drugs. Uh, Creating a stable home environment was really important for me, for my son. I didn't want him to have to experience going to all these different schools, growing up in all these different neighborhoods, and seeing me with a lot of different men. So course I, I married their their my kids dad I, I didn't want to be the same parent that my mom was which I mean we're cool now she's drug free all that good stuff went to rehab but I just know how it felt moving and in front of different men all the time I have a an attachment issue <laughs> I, I mean I got some 
real life issues that I deal with because of that, you know, and I understand where they all come from because at one point I didn't know. It's so interesting that someone who has lived in so many different homes and had instability is now in the real estate game. <laughs> and we're going to get to that in a minute. But I want you to take us back to when you were 16 years old. You're living on your own and you realize that you're pregnant. What's going through your mind at that time? And did you see the future that you have now for yourself as that 16-year-old? I was pregnant at 15 and I had him at 16, terrified. I didn't know what I was going to do. I never played with baby dolls. I, that wasn't that kid. I didn't know how to change a diaper. I had to figure it out. What I did know was going to school full time, working full time because I have to take care of myself. I have to take care of this kid. Me having to figure out who's going to watch my kid just for me to go to school, who's going to watch him while I go to work. So all I have time to do is pick this kid up and drop him off and then pick him up again and drop him back off again. I didn't have time to be a parent. So something had to give. So I was like, school going to have to give. But lucky enough, I had a sister who really loved me and she said, quitting school is not an option. Mm -hmm. So you're going to get your GED or something and getting on AFDC is not an option either. You decided to be a grown up and have this kid. So this is what you're going to have to do. You have to deal with it. So I got my GED at 16. And then she said, oh, well, now that this kid is here, you got to get out. <laughs> I mean, but it, it's good. You know, people are like, oh, she put you out of, with a kid at 16. No, but it was the best thing that could have happened because she didn't put me out to the street. She went and got me a, a, a townhouse in her name. But it required me to work. These are bills. This is real life. What grown-up people do. I didn't even know how to cook. I didn't eat fried chicken on a bone for like 10 years almost. You know why? Because I went to the grocery store. I mean, I'm like, okay, I'm a big girl. I'm a fried chicken. It was so pretty. <laughs> it was so pretty. Man, the first week in that townhouse, I cut that chicken open. It was bleeding. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I ain't eat chicken on the bone for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> for a long time. But it, it made me have to figure things out. It made me have to figure it out. And I had to figure it out fast. But I got evicted. <laughs> oh, no, you messed I up did. your sister name. I did. I messed up her name. <laughs> but just listen, 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 listen. The real story behind me being evicted was because my neighbor was only paying $25 in rent. I was like, how you paying $25 in rent? You know, she didn't tell me. I didn't know what a Section 8 was. Man, I went to that front office like, I'm so-and-so and so-and-so at this address, and I want to know how I could pay $25 a month in rent. They're like, what's your name? We don't see you on this lease. I'm like, it's in my sister's name. She put it in her name for me. You know, I don't know no better. Oh, <laughs> I, Lord. I know. They was like, oh, that's a lease violation. I'm like, I don't know what they talking about. I just want to know how I can pay $25. And they're like, <laughs> you can't, we can't even talk to you. And that's how I ended up buying a house at 18. There's a jewel in that. Even though you messed up your sister's name and messed up Man. the townhouse, <laughs> the fact that you were not afraid to walk into a place and ask a question is what has opened up the door for you, mm -hmm. being bold enough to come in. And even with the past that you have, sometimes the shame of coming from a less than desirable background can stifle your voice. And I know this because I have the similar story. Both of my parents parents were substance abuse users as well, but I became 
silent because of it. I was so ashamed of what we was going through, getting evicted all the time. Had two pair of pants that I wore, one pair on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. The other pair was Tuesday, Thursday. So those real situations took my voice because I felt ashamed. And you were the exact opposite from a young age. Like, no, what's up? I grew into being able to speak for myself. Right. But you had that. I was always afraid. I was always embarrassed because at least you had a couple pair of pants. My kids, I tell them the story. They don't they don't believe me. I'll have to wash my clothes out in the sink or in the tub. Mm-hmm. I couldn't go to the laundromat. We didn't have money for that. And they didn't get clean that way. Kids are cruel. I got talked about all the time. We didn't have school uniforms. So it turned me into, um, I used to fight. It's no uh, pretty way to, to put it. Let me go ahead and fight before you even think you're about to talk about me. My friends' parents looked down on me because I didn't have what they had or they didn't understand why they were hanging out with me. It, it kind of forced me to become a bully. So, like you said, I'm little. I never knew I was little. <laughs> I never knew I was little. I thought I could whip anybody, say anything, like had the loudest voice. It turned me into a mean person. I remember I got shipped off to Atlanta and I came back to visit. I don't know what holiday it was. It had to be like Thanksgiving. And my sister and them, they was in a rush trying to get to Oklahoma. So they literally just dropped me off at one of my friends' houses. And I was like, I'm going to just go home and see my mom and them after I see my friends. It was no home to go to. It was mm. a combat sign on the door. The furniture was in the yard. I was literally in a city lost. That's the worst feeling in the world. And you don't know how to get a hold to anybody because they didn't have cell phones. I think they had pagers and stuff back then. And I, my mama didn't have no pager. She did. Somebody else would have had it for sure. I was always scared. I used to think any day now, my mama, she going to die. So let me prepare myself. So as a kid, having to prepare yourself to lose a parent or, or, or something like that, it, it affects you in ways that you can't even explain verbally. And because of that, it made me dependent on men, not young men, because they couldn't do nothing. My same age men, what can they do? They my same age. They ain't got no jobs. They ain't got nothing. Older men. So I started entertaining older men. I mean, my first husband was 12 years older than me. I was 15. He was 27. Should have been a damn shame of itself. All that come at a price. Once I figured out what I was sacrificing to get stability, it was my whole mission to never, ever depend on a man for nothing. Ever. Creating my own path, making my own money and and things like that was important. And I see so many women, men too, who are dependent and they stay in relationships because they need somebody who bounce around because they need someone to take care of them. No, no, you don't. You could do this. Just got to figure it out or, or, or talk to someone to help you figure it out. Or don't be ashamed to be like, hey, man, I need some help. 18 years old, signed the paperwork, moved into your own home. Is real estate even in the thought process at this age? No, I didn't think real estate until about two years later, 20 years old. One of my sisters called me and was like, oh, you need to do real estate. I don't know what the hell she was talking about. Whatever. What you mean? She's like, go to real estate school. She living in Atlanta. So that was one of the sisters who she had just a hustler. She's just a hustler. When I tell you the girl to do everything, and I'll be like, okay, barbershops, trucking company, real estate. I probably have done everything she's done. I had a trucking company. I got a beauty shop. I'm doing real estate. I started doing construction. Everything that she's done, I kind of mimic because she'd be like, okay, sister, now you need to do this. And I'd be like, <laughs> okay, dude. 20 years old, real estate is now on the mind. You finish school. How do you get into 
the marketplace of Kansas City. I'm assuming that you didn't have the connections that maybe someone who's been groomed up in the real estate industry, someone who's old enough to drink <laughs> would have. What you, what you talking about? You, you need an ace for that? Oh. <laughs> Shannon, Shannon. That's the husband's name and the wife's name. I looked for them, can't find them. I don't know if they maybe done passed on now. If it wasn't for them to sit me down at the Blue Ridge Mall, you ain't from here, so you don't know about the Blue Ridge Mall. <laughs> they gave me a checklist. They said, you knew. I was like, I am. They was like, every contract and every deal you do, just do this checklist. I still use that checklist to this day for my agents. And this is how you're going to do your contracts. And from there... Rest is history. How did you make it through the recession? The real estate industry completely changed because of the subprime loans. It was hard. First, I didn't have the the IQ of real estate in the market, the same IQ that I have now. So I really didn't know what was going on. I knew people was losing houses. I'm like, okay. I knew people wouldn't calling me anymore to buy houses and people wouldn't calling me to sell houses anymore. And I didn't have any connections with the banks because if you was hooked up with a bank back then, oh, you had you had income flowing, flowing, flowing. So I went to go get a, a job. Okay. <laughs> I didn't get it, though. I probably went to like four or five different interviews and they're like, oh, we'll pay you $12 an hour, $10 an hour. I was like, what am I going to do with that? And they was like, you don't have no degree. I said, but when I worked a regular job, I made $25 an hour. I can't go to $12 an hour. There's nothing I could do with that. It took some strategizing. I didn't pray then. I pray a lot now. I was like, hey, man, I didn't do all this for nothing. So I said, okay, how am I going to make this work? And what they say, you rob Peter to pay Paul? I was robbing Peter to pay Paul. Every four houses that I would sell, I would take that commission, put it all together, and then buy a house. I would take those commissions, I would wait to the end of the month, and then pay my mortgage because I ain't never want to be late on my mortgage. So I would let bills go unpaid until the end of the month. The ones that reported to my credit, I made sure I paid. The utilities and stuff, not so much. I know how to run the extension cord. I know how to I know how to boil some water or something if I need to microwave some water so I can survive. So instead of me stressing about trying to find people to buy houses or to sell their houses, I just took that opportunity to take advantage of those low rates of houses and just started acquiring property. You just went into another business. Another business in real estate. There's, mm-hmm. there's several businesses in real estate. People think you get a real estate license and that's all you're doing is working with buyers, sellers. No, it's a whole vast categories underneath the real estate umbrella. And I think that's a lesson for people who are listening. There are so many ways to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Most people want to be the person out front. They want to be the rapper. They want to be the singer. And there are so many people that approach me about that. But the people who make the most money are the songwriters, the producers, the people who are owning the rights to all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's also a lane that people can go into right but if you can't make it on the stage a lot of people give up and Mm -hmm. i like that you pivoted okay people not buying homes anymore like that well Mm -hmm. let me start acquiring properties because people are always going to have to have somewhere to live it's a few things you're going to always need you're going to always need them dang on utility companies And you're going to always need a place. I saw you well up just a little bit. No tears actually <laughs> dropped. You know I'm a mush box. You know I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a cry baby. No, you held it in. They didn't come out, but they were rimming <laughs> your eyes. Yeah. That means that it still touches you to think about the places that you've been. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm a work in progress. I think it's a mixture of God, I'm blessed. I made it. I survived. It's been so many times that I'm like, you know what? 
this ain't worth it. Is this what life is about? This is hard. If you got the mustard seed of faith to hang in there, then let that mustard seed carry you through it and hang in there because it does get better. We think that praying is all you can do. You got to put some action behind that prayer. You have to make sure that you're doing something to ensure the outcome. That the scripture you says faith without works is dead. So you can have all the faith in the world, mm-hmm. but you got to put works behind right. it. God can't bless you unless you actually get up right. and go to the job interview. Mm-hmm. He can come in and bless you with the right things to say and move on the heart of the person. Right. But they're not coming to your house. Have you gone to therapy over some of the things that you've been through or has it been a relationship with God that you've acquired that has helped you be who you are now? I'm going to tell any person living and walking therapy was the best. (laughs) It was the best thing I ever did in my life. It's the best $125 an hour I ever spent in my life because that's how I was able to connect my actions with the thing, my subliminal thinking, I didn't ever even knew how they connected and why I did the things that I did, why I gravitated to the men that I did, why I gravitated to certain relationships and people and friends. It all made sense when somebody on the outside breaks it down for you. So I don't really love him. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't really love him. Oh, it makes sense now. Okay. They not really for me and I'm doing it because of this situation. And it makes you take a step back and really evaluate all your relationships and and yourself and your actions. Therapy helped. I was embarrassed to talk to God. Ain't that crazy? Mm. You want to know why? Why? Because every time and listen. I love my mama to pieces and she, we're good. Like I've forgiven her for anything. She still feels like sometimes uh, you you don't like me because nah, I'm past that. I'm a whole grown up. I, I control my destiny now. But every time she wanted to do better, she drug us to church. Mm-hmm. So you associated so that. I, that Yeah. With so, yeah. So she drug us to short, church. Really not making the change for real. Yeah. This is just for show this, until you fall off again. Mm-hmm. And pulled us to the front. You know how they ask you, is there any visitors? And you want us to pray? And then it's right back to the same old thing. Until again. Here we all go. But now, when I go through problems, the first thing I do, Google is amazing, by the way. I'll be like, what scripture can you find that tells you how to deal with such and such? I went to therapy for a whole year every Thursday, and it really helped me a whole lot because I was having anger outbursts, Mm -hmm. and I was embarrassed. It was probably this last husband. He said to me. I can't. He said to me. (laughs) He said to me, hey, man, you're going to have a heart attack because I used to get so angry. I mean, like angry. I'm that person now. Do you have kids? No. My oldest son, he was my practice kid, right? He was my practice kid. So he got whoopings, and I'm pretty sure I took a lot of things out on him. I used to fight regular people that I didn't know, and then fight my husbands too, right? But then I realized when one hit me back, hey, man, I can't whoop him. Right. (laughs) What the heck was I thinking? And I can't feel my face right now neither. I left the next day and never went back. But I created all that because 
how many years did I punch on him? How many years did I take an earring and ram it up his feet? I mean, just really weird, evil. I mean, the things that I used to think about to do things, but it wasn't even that I was mad at him, baby. I mean, I was, but it was really other things. And I had to figure out how do I redirect and going to therapy helped. And then, you know, my son said to me, the youngest one, I don't know who Kitty is because we call him the professor. He said, you know, why do you cuss so much? Because I can't. He was like, you know, people with small vocabulary use cuss words. And I probably said a whole handful of more cuss words. <laughs> like, shut the hell up or something. But then I had to think about it. I was like, damn, if I just switch that word and use that word instead. I mean, I guess. But it's good emphasis on what the point that I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to get across. Because nobody's going to take you serious if you say this. It, just the anger, just the cursing. And my oldest son said, Mama, you so pretty. You got an ugly mouth, though. Mm. But to hear from the people that you do it all for mm. and think about it, they look to me for direction. And I'm like, wow, maybe I really do need to change some some of my ways. Maybe I really can't beat no man up. So, so let me keep my little bitty paws to myself because I really am a girl. And if I plan to stay in a relationship, because if they hit me back, one of two things is going to happen now because I ain't taking no hits. So, yeah, I ain't trying to go to jail for killing nobody either. So let me just keep my hands to myself. So I'm a big person now. Like, I don't do no arguing. I ain't debating with you, you or you. So if we can't talk about it, then we don't need to talk, period. Now, don't get me wrong. It's still a little bit in it. ain't all gone. But I kind of handle it a little differently now. Most of the times if there's conflict in front of me, I say to myself, does this person even understand what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Probably 70% of the people that you're going to be arguing with or talking to are not going to even understand right. what you're saying. And then I'll say, hmm, let's say the rest of the 30% do understand what I'm saying. Is it going to change anything? Right. Probably 20% of the time is right. not. <laughs> right. So it's so, like, what are we discussing this right, for? So that cut out a lot of the right. arguing that mm -hmm. I used to do. A lot of the confrontations and conflict I used to get into. Right. And it prepared me to come to a space now where there's a lot of people who have opinions about me who don't even know me and who have never met me Preach. before in their lives. Preach. And they take to social media and say things about me, mm -hmm. not knowing anything about me and so now i'm prepared to say you don't, don't even got to respond right. there's right. no reason to, to respond, respond. <laughs> literally okay okay isn't that funny it's not even a reflection of you it's more a reflection of them the mm -hmm. people and the person who they are who look at you as if maybe they want to be in a position that you are they want to have your voice they want to be able to be however you are or they think that you are right when you start getting positions and, and titles or, or being in front or in the spotlight, you have to be prepared for those sorts of things. I wasn't initially. When I decided in 2017 to get into the public and, and do things in the community, somebody said to me, are you prepared to take on what all comes with it? Because everybody's not nice. Matter of fact, most people aren't nice. People are going to say things that are true and people are going to say things that are not true. How you respond and handle it will be the determining factor or if you're ready for this. Lo and behold, it happened. I was told I didn't get permission to put on a tour. I said, mm -mm. permission? Hold on, hold on. I said, I'm sorry. I'm a grown up. 
Are you going to help me out? Are you putting forth the money or anything? No. Well, tell me why I need permission from you. So I had to respectfully say, thank you for calling me. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? But I'm going to fast forward. That's when I was figuring it out. And I thought I had it figured out until the other day, somebody, matter of fact, yesterday, someone was on social media, made a post, tagged me in it. Well, I'm in McDonald's line for a long time. I said, I ain't responding to that. Well, it, it was eight at me. And I said, I'm responding to it. And then I said, I went back and I read it. I said, this is just going to be a confrontation. And I don't even know who this person is. So I went back. I deleted my comment. I don't even know this person. For them to even say this to me and for me to respond back to somebody I do not know is pointless. Because all that's going to do is cause an argument. I don't argue with them husbands. I don't argue with them kids. I don't argue with them tenants. And I ain't arguing with no clients. So why the heck I'm going to argue with a total stranger who don't even know me? Who knows you, but you don't know them. Right. I said, oh, my Lord Jesus. Because I almost slipped. I almost tripped. I deleted that comment. And I was like, boy, thank goodness for delete. (laughs) That's right. But delete. People, they want what you have. They look at you. You're cute. You, you, You dress very well. You have a business. They're looking at the outside, but do they want to be the 15-year-old who doesn't have anywhere to live and pregnant right. and all this? They don't want to go through what it took right. for you to get to where you are now. Exactly. So this is why it's best that you just ignore people because they see this and think they want to sit in the seat. But I'm like, okay, I want you to go through all the things I went through. Then you qualify to sit in this seat. Right. If you ain't willing to do it, and I guarantee you, you ain't going to want to do it. When Heck I just no. tell you three things that happened to me <laughs> that you gonna have to go right, through. Right, 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 right. <laughs> they see a, a more a more polished product. It's the finished product. Yeah. They see a more everybody wants that. Yeah. Everybody wants the Tanisa that's showing up to the mayor's thing in a Gucci belt uh, and a beautiful what? dress. That's who they want to be, right? They don't know the half of what we had to go through. What built us? What made us want to be better than? And want to be more yeah. than what you were exposed to, which would have been an easier way to go. Really, it's easier to go with what you have seen. And you're from New York, ain't you? Mm -hmm. Whatever your childhood was, was, compared to mine, was probably to the 10th. Tenth degree. No, all of us got pain. It's a similar story. Yeah. What, yeah, what but- you went through is the exact same I went through. Once my mother got clean, it turned from being out doing whatever mm-hmm. to now getting her sobriety. Mm-hmm. So that's another issue. Even as she was doing better, right? I still felt neglected. I still didn't feel seen because she was going to her AA meetings and right. going to her NA meetings and trying to right. get herself together, which is something that she needed to do. My adult mind understands that. Right. But the child in me is like, well, what about me? Where was... How old was you when she finally started her sobriety? I was about 10 years old. And then she moved us from New York to Atlanta. So I went to high school in Atlanta. So that was a whole nother culture shift. Everything from what I knew. And then now we're going to a place where everybody's like, ooh, you talk funny. And it was way slower than I was used to living and thrown into that thing. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me was moving. I I don't know who I would be if my mother had left us there. Yes, In New York? Mm Mm-hmm. I got no childhood with my mom in sobriety. Mm. That didn't happen until I was pregnant with the last, with my last, my youngest son. So I had to be like 20. Wow. So I was already grown 
I mean, mm. they was living with me. My mom and them lived with me. And it was like, hey, man, I'm about to have a whole nother kid. And you keep falling off the bandwagon. You got to go. You know, the hardest thing to put your mom out. I, I learned that I kept her close and I kept them close because I knew that they going to be all right. I ain't going to get no phone call from no police telling me to come down to a morgue. I ain't going to get no phone call from someone saying that somebody done beat my mom to death or anything like that. A, a guy, none of that. Instead of you bouncing around from all these men, just come stay with me. Help me with my kids. Never had the chance of their normal childhood, ever. But because I had to take care of them for so long, I'm used to taking care of everybody. Mm-hmm. My siblings, they kids, my kids, my men, my husband, <laughs> you know. You're so, a fixer. Yeah, I'm a fixer. I'm a natural fixer, but I'm the person who really needs to be fixed. I'm a natural nurturer, but I look to be nurtured. And But because everybody always thinks that I have it all together, they never... I'm never the person that that gets the nurturing. I noticed that I've gone from doing it for my family to now trying to nurture the community. That's what my therapist told me. You cannot do that for these relationships that you're in. And then I wouldn't even allow them the opportunity to be there for me anyway. Mm -hmm. I would already make up in my mind they're not going to do it. And so I wouldn't even ask. You know why? Because you didn't want to be disappointed. Exactly. If it's anything like mine, <laughs> exactly. mine, mine is because I don't want to be disappointed. Because you know what? When I really needed people, ain't nobody been there. Mm-hmm. So instead of me letting someone disappoint me, I'm going to just do it all myself. Do it myself. I'm going to take care of it. Mm-hmm. But in real life, I want somebody, even so to this badly. day, yeah. I want someone to come in and be like, chill out, Tanisa. I got this. Chill out. Hey, go sit down. I got this. So it's this one guy, Tannen. He stops by my office. He drops me off like wine bottles, just randomly. Kulu, whatever he just seen. I'm like, don't nobody even ever do that to me. That's really nice. And, and people be like, he dropped off wine. What the heck? That's something little to y'all. But to me, it's Tadisa, like. we are the yeah, same person. I, I just like, had this conversation yesterday. It was a young lady mm. who came and dropped me off those keys and earrings that mm-hmm. I had on a couple weekends yes. ago. To me, that's something major it was little to everybody else and cheesy but it's like no she man thought she you. thought about me you know what i'm saying like nobody does that i said this to somebody the other day no one ever asked me how i'm doing if anyone communicates with me it's because they want something right from me. oh my god <laughs> so what the heck i swear to god girl you my sister it's from the truth. East Coast. I'm, I'm serious only only they, get phone calls when, when they, they want, want something. something i only get inboxes when they want something and it's not just friends and family it's complete strangers right for some reason i guess god put it on me that people think that i can get things done mm-hmm. in the position that I'm in so no one ever just says how are you today right no one asked me is there anything I can do for you so I totally understand yeah. what you're saying just when I'm thinking like oh yeah nah I ain't dealing with this cotton stuff no more that kind of stuff you find yourself dealing with it in a whole different in another way. Like, and in yeah. another way when you become such a powerful person and it's powerful in the perception of others, really. Right, right. Because when you with yourself, you, you just you. you. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like, me. Like, what are you me. talking That's about? Exactly. I'm just doing what the heck my but heart tells me to do. it as you're powerful. So they think to themselves, there's nothing I can give her. She gives to me when right. I need it. So you go low, go low, go low. So what I have to do is just, there are times when I have to just shut down and I have to just go Solo. And be alone to be able to fill myself back up because I don't have outside people to 
inspire and motivate me. Right. But girl, we done went on. This is going long too. Look, so I need we to We done know, had a whole therapy girl, session. Girl, <laughs> I'm trying to tell you. We got to talk about this thousand homes oh, yes. within the next year. Oh my goodness. So that is the campaign and mission that Keys Realty Group has started. I let the tour be the kickoff of it. So our mission is to create a thousand new homeowners within the next 12 months. And everybody's like, oh, it's impossible. Hey, man, nothing's impossible. It's important to do it. Why strive for 10? I'm going to create 10. Well, that's, that's, that's normal number. If I'm trying to make the big impact that I'm trying to make, and those are reaching the people who are renting, reaching the people who feel like or don't even have a, 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 a buying a home idea. I'm trying to reach those people with the 500 credit scores that just don't know that it's only take a little bit of work. If you come in, I could show you how to get that credit score up that you can do it yourself. You don't have to spend that money to pay somebody else to do it. It's educating them. Those are the people that that thousand homeowners is focused on. I'm trying to change a generation. I'm trying to change a culture. I'm trying to change the culture. I'm trying to change our people. I, I need to create the stability and the pride and confidence because that's what it's all going. It's going to do all those things once you become a homeowner. I ain't going to say I'm not saying it's easy. The process is going to be easy. But just like you said, you said faith with no work is it's dead. It's dead. Mm-hmm. So if I can put the hope in into the minds of the, of the people and then they can have they can create the faith and put the work behind it, then we can create these thousand new homeowners within the next 12 months. I know there's somebody listening now who wants to get that home. They want to take the next step. How can they get in touch with you, Tanisa? They can call my office. It's Keys Realty Group, Inc. at 816-469-5350. Or you can walk in. We're open Monday through Friday, 9 to 530 We're located at 3304 Linwood Boulevard. It's right off of Linwood in Indiana. And if you just want to talk to me, because so many people just want to talk to me, you can call me directly. The whole world know my number. (laughs) So it's okay. 816-337-8626. Feel free to send me a text message. Say, hey, I heard you. I want to know how I can become a homeowner. That's enough right there. Tadisa Looney, the littlest boss said so. Other people, places, things that you see. You'll never know. Other people, places, things. 